You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On day two of a new era uh, in television history, we are, of course, Talk TV, uh, formerly known as Talk Radio TV. We are here for your delectation over the next three hours, in which time uh, we are going to be travelling and traversing across a whole panoply of stories, uh, some of which will upset you, some of which will annoy you, some of which will entertain you, and some of which uh, will downright just make you laugh. We're talking to Anne Whittacombe coming up uh, first off. She's a former prisons minister, former Brexit Party MEP, of course, as well, former Shadow Home Secretary, because there's much to discuss about the Prevent Strategy. Uh, That's with a capital P. This is the strategy that supposedly fixes Islamic terrorism, uh, takes people who have been uh, radicalised, who have become Islamic extremists, takes them into prison, teaches them how to be good boys and girls, and then releases them back into the public uh, without any danger whatsoever. That's the theory. But unfortunately, that's not how it works. And lots of people right now are telling us that actually the prevent strategy is entirely wrong. It needs to be fixed, needs to be sorted out. And you might as well spread that as well, by the way, to the parole board. Because we have had many, many occasions of criticism of the parole board. Uh, not least when they released Colin Pitchfork, a double child murderer and rapist, uh, who then had to be taken back into prison. Because guess what? After he'd convinced the parole board that he was a good boy... He went hanging around girls' schools once again after having been convicted of the rape and murder of two 15-year-olds. I mean, what on earth are these people thinking? These are the same people that thought it'd be a great idea to release John Warboys, the black cab rapist. And if it wasn't for an intervention uh, by the Prime Minister's wife, he would be out and about raping women and probably killing them. So the parole board is not fit for purpose. The prevent strategy is not fit for purpose. We need to find some other way of locking up these maniacs and actually not letting them out. Forget about rehabilitation. If you slit somebody's throat, if you try to blow somebody up with a suicide vest, I don't think you deserve to be walking the streets of this country. And if you've tried murdering children, I don't think you would ever come back from that. We'll find out what Anne Whittacombe thinks. 0344-499-1000. Tobias Elwood is going to join us as well. Uh, his name came up last night uh, in Tom Newton Dunn's interview with Boris Johnson. Uh, not in a very good way, but we'll ask him about the latest threats from Russia, uh, about Third World War and about nuclear powers and all of that. We'll also, of course, be talking to Harry Miller about the new Twitter rules because Elon Musk is still causing all manner of problems to the lefties uh, who are gibbering in their little beds about how awful it's going to be uh, when somebody's going to be able to say something to them that might be upsetting for heaven's sake. Also, television uh, is never going to be the same again as Kevin O'Sullivan and I take to the airwaves on Saturday night. Kevin's going to be here to tell us what we're going to be doing, because I've got no idea. Uh, also, uh, we'll be doing LaDonna Harvey. Peter Cardwell's here because it's Prime Minister's Questions. Boris Johnson and Angela Rayner will be in the same room once more. Latest rumour coming out of Westminster is that the Angela Rayner story came from Angela Rayner. Let's see if that's true. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the home of common sense, the place where straight talking is a thing. This is, of course, Talk TV. Let's go straight now uh, to talk to Anne Widdicombe, uh, a woman who uh, has got a column in the Daily Express today. Uh, she's got a lot of great thoughts, a lot of great ideas. Let's find out what she makes of this business uh, with Prevent. Anne, a very good morning to you. Morning to you. Thank you very much for joining us on day two of our crusade of common sense. Um, It's a pleasure to have you here. Let's talk a little bit about um, rehabilitation. You've got some experience working in the prisons uh, system. You've worked at the Home Office, of course, as well. You've been a government minister. You know, it seems to me that we are infested in the parole board and also in, uh, in rehabilitation areas with people who think the best of people. And I'm not sure that's always the best thing to do. No, it isn't, but it's very, very easy to criticise the parole board when they get something wrong. The fact is, 
um, unlikely as it might seem to people who just absorb newspaper headlines, the overwhelming majority of parole office uh, parole board decisions uh, do actually turn out well. And while we're on the subject of never releasing anybody who's done murder, uh, I should point out that one of the heroes in the uh, terrorist attack on London Bridge was actually uh, a convicted murderer. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we should keep a balance. But what I think is insane, absolutely insane, is that when somebody is convicted of terrorism, which means they've been radicalised, they believe this is the right thing to do, it's the will of Allah and all the rest of it, then when they go to prison, as rightly they should, they're shut up with other terrorists. There's not going to be a chance of de-radicalisation while that goes on because they're going to feed off each other. And I do not understand, I don't even begin to understand, except possibly from a security angle, um, the origin of such a policy. No, it does seem mad. I mean, we do know that we have a problem uh, with overcrowding in our prisons. We're supposedly building new super prisons, which which, uh, I'm all in favour of. You know, I'm a great believer in putting people in a prison and letting them build another prison while they're in prison, because we might as well make use of them. But the story today uh, is that uh, there are things going on behind bars where certain sort of Muslim extremists are demanding things which they shouldn't in any way be demanding. For example, saying that nobody who isn't a Muslim should be allowed into their kitchen when they're preparing halal food, that they should have uh, control of their own wing, that they should have Sharia law uh, uh, to settle disputes. I mean, it's madness, isn't it? Yeah, total madness. And if the prison service is even contemplating giving in to that sort of stuff, uh, then frankly, um, it it, it needs a jolly good look at itself and ministers need to take uh, a, a jolly good look at it. Um, the fact is, of course, they're entitled to certain things, as is everybody, um, the right to worship uh, in prison um, and, and the right to eat certain foods. Uh, that's absolutely fine. But the idea that they should have their own law in the form of Sharia or that they should be able to prevent anybody uh, coming in uh, to their kitchens or into their cells or whatever it might be, uh, is just, again, it's a patent nonsense and it's if it is happening it's political correctness from that well it really is and prison officers are saying that they fear uh, that they're not in control anymore uh, obviously like things that we've seen in the past and um, with the way that local councils have, have, have treated muslim extremists and the way that local councils have treated the grooming gangs and the way that they've been frightened of being accused of racism there's clearly some of that going on inside the prisons as well where the prison officers are frightened to maybe do anything because they would be castigated uh, by the Home Office for being racist. Well, I think it's a reflection of what's going on in society as a whole, where everybody is afraid to open their mouths in case they say something that gives offence and they get cancelled or their job's in jeopardy or it goes on their record or whatever it might be. And I think this is a a reflection of, this is just one small example in in the prison service, it's just a reflection of what is going on uh, in society at large. So uh, you're quite right. I mean, the Rotherham um, affair was a complete scandal uh, where officers did not properly investigate uh, allegations of grooming of young women, uh, young girls indeed, uh, because um, they, they were afraid of, of being perceived as racists. Well, you know, congratulations on your crusade for common sense, but you face a very uphill struggle. Well, we do, but we are determined, Anne, I have to say, uh, with the help of Piers Morgan, who is not everybody's cup of tea, but he certainly oh, might. Um, uh, well, that's good. I mean, he's got a war on the woke. Um, and I think the fact that Elon Musk is now going to take yeah. control of social yeah. media in this in this world, that could all uh, be a good thing for us who like to be able to say what we think. You know, I might not agree with everything you say. I might think some of what you say is entirely wrong, misguided and possibly even offensive. But I mean, I'd love to hear it. That's the point, isn't it? Well, we used to have a saying in this country which every child was taught, which was, you know, I profoundly disagree with you but I'll defend to the hilt your right to say it. Yes. Uh, and, and that is the basis on which freedom in this country used to work. And the erosion of freedom as a result of the woke agenda, the politically correct agenda, uh, the, 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 you know, the erosion of genuine freedom of belief and opinion and expression uh, is, is actually serious. Mm. To me, it's a scandal that you have police arresting street preachers when they're not arresting burglars. Well, exactly right. And what about, um, I know this is a bit of a jump, but into uh, the place where you used to make your living, um, the Houses of Parliament, the House of Commons, the Speaker, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, 
demanding to see, as if he's the headmaster of the world, uh, the newspaper editor from the Mail on Sunday, uh, so that he can answer for why he published a story that apparently he didn't like. Well, the thing about this this wretched story about Angela Rayner is that, you know, we've all lost our sense of proportionality. That story should have been two lines in a diary column, and it should have been a, a subject for amusement. If anybody had accused me of flashing my legs at Tony Blair, I would have roared with laughter. I wouldn't have gone off uh, <laughs> uh, and, and exploded about misogyny and all the rest. No. But it's just disproportionate. You've got Boris Johnson talking about the terrors of the earth. That's language that I would reserve for high treason. And we've got it applied to a silly story. Well, exactly uh, right. Isn't, yeah. it, isn't it ludicrous, though, that we have reached this point where there is no proportionality anymore? Because, in fact, you know, people get more worked up about whether or not the prime minister may or may not have had a piece of cake than they oh. get worked up about whether he's going to fix the illegal immigration system or get away from this stupid net zero uh, commitment that he's made. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the emphasis is on trivia now. Um, and I can't believe that we're still talking about the Prime Minister having a bit of birthday cake, which I reckon went on in offices all up and down the country, quite honestly. People working together all day to have a bit of cake before the next meeting. Uh, I can't see anything wrong with that. But what I can't believe is that we're so obsessed with that that sometimes it takes over the headlines from even the Ukraine. I mean, we, we, the sense of proportionality has gone, just just gone. Yeah, it really has. It's absolutely extraordinary. We've got lots to talk about, Anne, and I'm going to come to you to talk about the passport situation and the working from home, because in your column today, I'm very pleased to see that you have um, backed uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg and his crusade to get people back to work, because it's time, isn't it? No. Um, I think you've slightly misread the column, Mike. Why? Because I do not believe that Jacob Rees-Mogg uh, should be bullying people back to work. What I actually no, but you think that people should be coming back to work, though? I know. I think the people, if people can do the job from home, and that's that's the governing sentence. Uh, if they can do the job from home, uh, governing clause rather, um, then I think they should be allowed to. I mean, there are huge benefits to working from home. This this government is supposedly committed to net zero. Now, whatever you and I think about that, what is the point of being committed to net zero on the one hand, and then on the other hand saying you want the roads clogged up? with commuters who shouldn't be allowed to work from home. Government is still very worried about COVID for whatever reasons I don't know. Why is it proposing to clog up the tubes and the buses and the trains? This government says it's in favour of the family. Why does it want the parents coming home after the kids are in bed? Well, cetera, well cetera. Let, me, let me stop you there because we've got to just take a little break and we'll come back to this because I will explain to you uh, a few things about what's actually going on out there and we'll be back with Anne Whittacombe after this. News Talk. Money Talk. Daisy McAndrew. On Talk Radio and Talk TV. Get razor sharp current affairs commentary and entertaining opinion from a bold new voice in broadcasting. Because a changing world needs news done differently. Daisy McAndrew. Tonight from 10 on Talk Radio and Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, coming to you live uh, from the Talk Radio studios, high above uh, the River Thames and the Tower of London and all of the great things about this fantastic capital city. But I have to tell you, and I'm speaking to Anne Widdicombe uh, right now, former prisons minister, uh, former Shadow Home secretary, of course. Anne, I've got to tell you that during this period of time when we are all supposedly still working from home, or an awful lot of civil servants are, the roads are already clogged, right? So people are already driving around because, let me tell you, 75% of the population who work can't work from home because they actually have proper jobs that they have to go and do at a particular location. You know, if you're a painter and decorator, you're a gardener, uh, you're a driver uh, of a bus or of a train, you know, you have to move around. And so I think pandering to these kind of, you know, middle-class you know, champagne socialist types. I think it's a wrong idea. Look, why is somebody, a middle-class champagne socialist, who may be actually quite a low-ranking civil servant, who's a clerk or or whatever it is, who's got kids, who's got to juggle childcare and the expense of that and the expenses of commuting and all the rest of it, why is that a middle-class champagne socialist? The fact is that after big trafficism, you often get social revolutions. After the First World War, for example, women demanded to work because they'd been working in the munitions for four years. They didn't think wage earning was just down to the man anymore. Uh, And I think the big revolution that we've had now uh, is working from home. Now, as I've said right at the beginning, 
If a job can't be done from home, that's different. But the fact is there have always been jobs that can be done from home, and there's always been jobs that can't, and there's always been jobs that can be done for company offices, and there's always been those that can't. So to suggest somehow, you know, that, that, that this is promoting a, a sort of privilege, it is not. Well, what it is, though. Is no, well, no, but not. it is, because I'll tell you why I disagree with you, Anne. I work from home. Yeah, but, you know, you're privileged. You're in a very easy position because you work largely uh, with your brain and you also don't have to be of service to people in a particular way. My experience of dealing with people working from home, particularly if they're, you know, maybe working for one of the utility companies or if they're working for the DVLA, the passport agency, as we're finding out, you know, they're not working properly. They're not doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. Now, I agree with you. If you can do the job from home, fine. But if you can't do the job well from home, then you need to come back to the office. Right. Well, two points on that. First of all, don't blame the passport model just on working from home. They actually went on strike, if you remember. Formal strike, not just working from home. So they went on strike while working from home. Yeah, yeah, so meant they weren't working at all, not just working from home. If you're striking, you're not working at all. So don't let's confuse that. But the second thing is this. Appraisals, performance indicators, um, bosses uh, uh, looking at, at what work is being done. Uh, those things can be done as easily for somebody working at home as for somebody in the office. I now, disagree. Where I, think, where I think, well, you may disagree, but, you know, and you're entitled to, as we've already established, we're entitled to have our different views. But, oh, I love I mean, it. I work from home. Now, why, if when I do my express article, uh, I can do it at 6 a.m., I can do it at noon, I can do it at 6 p.m., uh, nobody cares as long as the resulting production uh, it is a good one. Yes, but if now, you but if you were working, yeah, but hang on, let me finish. Right, no, go not on. Let me finish. So why, therefore, shouldn't a civil servant have exactly the same same flexibility over a memo? Because with what the greatest of well, because with the greatest respect to you, Anne, you are writing a newspaper column plus whatever else you're doing, uh, which is a very worthy activity, but it's not a proper job. Um, it's not you're, you're not actually helping people out who need to be helped out when they need to be helped out. If you need to be uh, d- delivering a report by 4pm because you need to consult with a bunch of other people who are in your same office, you sit down and have a meeting with them at 2, they tell you what it is that you need to do, you give them the report by 4. If you're at home and you're being interrupted by all manner of things, you might not feel the urgency to do that. And certainly if you are working for a bank or working uh, as, a, as a telephone operator, helping people out with queries for, you know, um, insurance companies or anything like that, all of whom I've been dealing with over the past two years, it simply doesn't work as well. It's as simple as that. Well, I, I have to say I've had <coughs> very little problem. I've had some, um, but they've been ironed out. I've had very little problem in dealing with agencies which are uh, largely working from home. But my point is this. <coughs> If somebody can produce good work, and and that is important, if they can produce good work, they can consult colleagues over Zoom, but they can also organise their own day uh, so that there is good family time, so that, you know, they can do a bit of exercise or whatever it is. Um, I see nothing against that. To me, the determining factor is not where they are, but how well they are doing. And that is just common sense. You judge a job by how well it is done, not by where it is done. Well, you do, and I accept that. However, there are other um, considerations to be brought into the equation as well, such as, um, you know, it's not a good idea, I don't think, to work in isolation. I don't think it's a good idea to be on your own. I don't think as a human being that's what we're designed to do. I also don't think that it's a good thing for cities to become half empty, because if Whitehall is as empty as we are being told it is, you know, it's like a ghost town. I don't go down to that neck of the woods very often, uh, but it's a lot quieter down there in the bars and the restaurants than it used to be. A lot of restaurants have shut down forever, never to come back. I think as a person of um, leadership, you should be advising people to, in, to, to, to to help the community, to spend money in it, and to make sure that it doesn't die on its backside. That's exactly what I'm doing. But instead of talking about the big cities, I'm talking about the smaller towns. I'm talking about the villages. People who work from home increase now uh, their activity in those places. You know, the government talks about wanting to preserve the high street. Well, in any given town, if workers are draining out to the big cities, that's not going to happen. So I actually think you're wrong there, Mike, big time. I think that people who are working from home will regenerate or will help. Yes, but they haven't, though, have they? There's no evidence. There's no evidence, Anne, that in the past two years, 
anything other than complete and utter degradation of the high street has happened as a result oh, of the on, fact the last, that no the you can't you can't tell me that high streets are booming they're not down. we've been locked down so obviously we weren't in the high street anywhere whether the city or the town come on mike that, that that's completely... we have not been locked down for two years we were locked down for parts of that we were not locked down for large portions of it the high street has been killed off by greedy councils trying to charge people to park in there yes. and by big companies yes. like amazon yes. who have put everybody out of business there's not um, they're not coming back uh, hang on um first of all yes i agree with you about parking charges and about business rates those things are important but actually nothing works unless you are prepared to go yourself and shop and i know for a solid fact that when i was um at home uh, and not able to work in my usual way i did go I, because i wasn't going to london i did go okay uh, to my local town. Well, but let's ask. Let's ask you that question. I mean, I don't know where you're living at the moment, but are you? Dartmoor. Dartmoor. Where? Dartmoor. Dartmoor. So, when you decide you want to get a cup of coffee, do you get in your car and drive into the nearest town, or do you just pour yourself one from your own kettle? Um, I'm quite likely, if I need a proper break and I have other things to do, I'm quite likely to nip down to the local farm shop. Or you're quite right. I, I might go and pour myself a cup of coffee, but if I have shopping to do, cleaning to do, whatever it might be. Um, then I'm going to say, right, I'll, I'll take it to the nearest town. I'll do it in the nearest town. Um, I don't actually see, and I'm going to be quite blunt about this, and you'll see that I put it in my express <laughs> column. I don't believe that civil servants have any more duty to go into London to keep the sandwich bars afloat than I believe that drivers have to abandon their cars in order to keep the horse grooms in business. Social changes happen this is happening. Let's embrace it and make the most of it. Well, I don't mind it happening, Anne, but I just don't <laughs> want to pay for it. And if I'm paying civil servants who are getting London waiting allowance to work in London and who are not bothering to get on a train to go there, let's take that money off them. Would you agree with that? Yes, as I also said in my express column, they clearly won't need the London waiting. But two things. First of all, they will need a portion uh, to cover the extra costs of working from home, which are things like electricity and heating and all the rest. Of That's it. their choice. Why should we pay for that? No, no. You do what? It's somebody's choice to work in London, but you pay for that. Yeah, but well, these are public other, servants, is the, the point. The thing is, Mike, frankly, if I was such a person and I was threatened with having my London waiting taken from me, I would say, based on my own experience of what I saved during COVID, I would say, okay. fine. All right, listen, we've got to run. And delightful to talk to you as ever. We'll have this debate again because we need to have it. I don't think working from home is the future. I think it's the past and it's nonsense. Let's get some news headlines. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. But let us talk right now to Tobias Elwood, Conservative MP for Bournemouth East and Chair of the House of Commons Defence Committee. Because, of course... Tobias, front page story in the Times today, coming out of a Sergei Lavrov press conference yesterday, uh, basically Russia threatening strikes against Western targets, thereby sort of heating up certainly the rhetoric, if nothing else. Yeah, certainly. And you're absolutely right to say that it, it is heating up. And what I would encourage uh, the British and indeed NATO uh, colleagues to do is just to clarify uh, why we are there. We're becoming more confident, more assertive. Good to see of a higher quality and quantity of weapon systems going in to Ukraine. But my question for the government uh, is what does success look like? Why are we fighting? What are we trying to achieve? And until we collectively agree that, then we don't know what we're trying to achieve, what the outcome is. Is it, for example, that we push Russia completely out of mainland Ukraine? That's what I'd like to see. Mm. Or would, be, would, be, would we be content in allowing to see part of the Donbass remain in Russian hands? Depending on which one of those is, will have an implication on our strategy, our tactics, and indeed the equipment that we actually pour into the country. I mean, I heard uh, last night President Zelensky saying, you know, if Russia withdraws um, from uh, Ukraine, then uh, we have won. If Russia does not withdraw from Ukraine, then there is no more Ukraine. So I don't think they're in the mood to, to give up any part of their country, are they? Absolutely right. I'm good to hear President Zelensky say that. What I haven't heard from the West is our confirmation that that's what we're going to do to support them. Mm. Because let's be clear, we've discussed this in the past. If Putin is able to sell a success to his own people, he'll continue pushing and advancing uh, his cause, uh, his agenda, in years to come. He must be seen to fail uh, in Ukraine. And then the Russian people themselves will then have to handle and deal with whether they really want to keep 
uh, that leader in the longer longer term. Yes. And as far as what Lavrov said yesterday uh, and these threats and the rhetoric and all of that, I mean, is that all it is? Does it concern you that it's reached this stage now? Well, we do need to be aware of the rhetoric that comes out of the Kremlin, but not be spooked by it. This is where we need to get back into this, you know, what I would call the uh, Cold War statecraft, if you like, and be able to understand and assess what's being thrown at us, be able to respond with calculated risks without losing control of what's called the escalatory ladder. We need to recognize, though, that the wider picture here is we've entered a new era of insecurity. So also, I asked the question what we want to achieve in Ukraine. We also need to recognize uh, that we need to spend more on our own defense. We can't keep gifting weapon systems, which comes with training. We can't keep um, providing greater support on the eastern flank of NATO. All the things that we weren't anticipating to do a year ago without looking at our own uh, defense situation and saying we need to invest more uh, in our security. And is there any danger, do you think, uh, with what's going on in the rest of Europe, where Germany is still bankrolling the war for, for Putin in a way by continuing to pay for the gas that they're buying uh, in the same way that France uh, has broken all kinds of embargoes because apparently they think they can. I mean, is Europe as kind of together as it should be? On the one side, I would say the journey we've come through in literally a matter of weeks has been astonishing in putting those sanctions together and standing up as one. But you're right to point out that we need to go much, much further. There is a, a, a vacuum of international European leadership there. It'd be great to see Britain step forward and fill uh, that vacuum. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you. To able to coordinate activities, because only if we stand as one in the long term can we actually change the trajectory of where things uh, where things will go? Mm, absolutely. Now, I don't know whether you know that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, popped into Talk TV's HQ last night. He appeared with Tom Newton Dunn on the new show, The News Desk, uh, and your name came up in conversation. I don't know whether you've seen this. Some MPs are very angry with you. You were obviously quite angry with some MPs. And I want to just put this particular point to you because I do think it shows the strength of your frustration. Is it true that you call one of these rebellious Tory MPs who doesn't want you to be Prime Minister anymore, Tobias Elwood, that C-word Elwood? Uh, I, I think no, but I think let me really? just let me let me just let me just remind you uh, of my of my golden rule, which is that I think uh, as uh, a politician, certainly as, as Prime Minister, uh, you, you're better off uh, talking about the things that people want you to do, that people want you to fix, uh, the, the the big plans we have. Didn't sound very convincing, that denial to me, Tobias. Uh, I probably won't be getting a Christmas card from the Prime Minister this year, <laughs> I suspect. Well, I mean, I suppose in your business, as in ours, there can be some fractious words said at various different times. Uh, you have called for his resignation in the past. What do you think now, uh, as far as his position is concerned? So I'm going to focus on the defence and security aspects that we've just been speaking about. We do have local elections coming up, so I think it'd be unwise for us to sort of you know, uh, spend time dwelling on this matter. I'm sure we will return to it. Uh, I will be continuing to encourage uh, people to follow Liz Truss's footsteps, very bold on one cabinet member stepping out, finally agreeing with what I and the Defence Committee have been saying for some time, let's increase defence spending. My question to every cabinet member, including the prime minister, is do you agree with what I've been calling for and now Liz Truss? 
that we do need to advance our defense architecture. The world is getting more dangerous. We want to play a role on the international stage, but we can only do that if we move to 3% GDP in defense spend. And do you think that NATO should be more aggressive, if you like, in dealing with uh, the Russians rather than sort of, you know, as a defensive uh, organization? It certainly should be more confident in what it should do. We've had 30 years of relative peace since the last Cold War. As I say, we need to have that statecraft capability of being able to coordinate our NATO assets. At the moment, they've been sat on the bench for too long. Again, Liz Trust is calling for greater advance of weapon systems. What uh, Ukraine desperately needs is, is anti-missile systems. So a Patriot or a uh, Iron Dome system that they use in Israel to protect their borders. If we're going to do this, let's do this properly. Let's push Russia out of Ukraine for good. And that will actually help European security in the longer term. Absolutely. Tobias, thank you very much for talking to us. Tobias Elwood there, Conservative MP for Bournemouth East, Chair of the House of Commons Defence Committee. Um, not going to get a Christmas card from Boris Johnson anytime soon. I don't suppose I'll be getting one either. I wonder whether Piers Morgan will get one. He's back tonight, of course, at 8pm uh, with another great show. Uh, it is Piers Morgan Uncensored. And, of course, there are so many great things going on here at Talk TV right now. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine how amazing the experience is if you've turned this on for the first time. This is uh, the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. It's the home of common sense. It is the home of straight talking. It is a place that, where I like to call where there is no hiding place from the truth. We're going to talk about working from home. And Winnicombe thinks it's good that some, several servants work from home. I think it's the worst idea anybody ever had. And I think Jacob Rees-Mogg is correct when he says, get back to work, stop spending taxpayers' money on making yourself a cheese omelette for lunch and having a cup of tea whenever you feel like it. Get on with the work, get back to work and help this country. Edgy talk, plain talk, unrivaled talk, Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Online, on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, the home of common sense, of course, coming to you live uh, from Talk Radio TV studios right here in London at the heart of London Bridge, right opposite the Tower of London, uh, where I'd quite like to send a few people, by the way, uh, talk about prison reform. How about we start using Traitor's Gate? How about if you decide that you want to be an Islamic extremist and start stabbing people on London Bridge or blowing people up in Manchester Arena, uh, if you manage to survive any of that, uh, we'll put you in a tower. How about that for an idea? And you can radicalise yourself as much as you like, you'll never come out. There's also the clink down the road where the tide used to come in and drown people. That's probably a step too far, but hey, some people might agree it's a good idea. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Harry Miller is here, former police officer, director of the Fair Cop Group. We've got lots to talk about, not just about prison reform, not just about gangs in prison, not just about gangs outside of prison, but also uh, the gang of lefties that have got very, very worked up about Elon Musk buying Twitter for $44 billion US. Absolutely unbelievable stuff. We've also got some breaking news about a police officer, Metropolitan Police Counter-Terrorism Officer, who's just been jailed at Winchester Crown Court for trying to arrange to meet a 13-year-old girl for sex. I mean, he's a police officer, for God's sake. 0344 499 1000. Kevin O'Sullivan coming up a bit later on. Uh, we'll also be talking to you about Prime Minister's questions. Peter Cardwell will be here as well. Angela Rayner uh, will be popping up in the House of Commons. Uh, we'll see how that all goes, shall we? 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the Home of Common Sense. The only place to be is Talk TV. Harry, a very, very good morning to you. First time I think we've met, isn't it? I think it is, Mike, yeah. Welcome to the World Headquarters of Common Sense, man. I love it. You know, to meet the actual Iron Mike Graham (laughs) in the flesh, in person, on TV. Yes. Well, that's a lifetime achievement award, mate, for me. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm happy to see that you've colour-coordinated your outfit as well. You've got a blue shirt on, which is exactly almost the same colour as our new blue studio, which is lovely. Well, there you go. go. As as I was telling you, you know, I am a former Mr. August of Take a Break magazine. No, I'm very impressed by that. So, sartorially, you know... But I do need to see those pictures. I mean, one of the great (laughs) things about those years when we did stuff like that was that there isn't hardly any record of it unless you've got the hard copy of the picture. Correct. You you have to find it somewhere. Because everything since the dawn of the internet is out there you know everything that's ever been put on the internet about me you can find uh, some of it you know i'd rather you didn't find but i mean you know that some of the stuff that I, I did in the 70s thank god those pictures are nowhere to be seen 
Exactly, exactly, you know? exactly. Well, I, I kind of feel the same about my my, my flirtation yes. uh, with the modelling industry, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> yes, well, Take a Break magazine, I mean, it's not exactly, you know, Cosmopolitan or Playgirl or anything like that, is it? Come on, Mike, it's a start. It was. It's it start. was yeah. I, got, I, got, I got my kit off and everything. I was wearing a hard hat. I was looking, <laughs> Those pretty, were the days. I was looking pretty hot, mate. I tell Those you. were the days you could do that sort of thing without being accused of being a rabid sexist or some kind of misogynist or some kind of ghastly individual. Which brings us on to Twitter, because it's been amazing. A uh, piece actually in the mail today uh, about the woke backlash at Twitter's takeover by Elon Musk. I've never seen anything like it. You know, Twitter for so long has been dominated by the left wing. Um, so much so that when I remember coming into work on the night of the election, 2019, if you had just read the runes on Twitter, you'd have thought Jeremy Corbyn was going to win. You know, some of the people tweeting about big turnouts here, you know, loads of people voting Labour over there. And he got absolutely trounced. But Twitter as far as they were concerned, had him as a winner. Well, that's because that's because the Twitterati, the left-wing Twitterati in particular, they think that that is their world. And it's mm. a glorious thing to see them drowning in their own woke tears, Mike. Yes. It's been a thing of beauty this mm. past uh, 24 hours. It has. It's, and I'm looking forward to it continuing uh, for the rest of the week. Uh, they don't like it because they've been able to go absolutely unopposed for years now. You know, I don't know how many times... Um, Fair cop, myself, have been reported for saying something absolutely mind-bogglingly yes. controversial like um, like women don't have penises. Yes. Um, and now, you know, you, whenever you state a truth like that, you run the risk, you run the gauntlet of being cancelled mm. by the woke mob. Yeah. Well, post-Elon Musk... I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I don't think it is. And it's a great turnaround of events because I said this on Monday night. Piers Morgan came on uh, for his first show, Piers Morgan Uncensored, at 8pm. Uh, Elon Musk had bought Twitter. Piers went on this massive rant about the wokists and how he was going to cancel all of the nonsense about cancel culture. And in fact, it felt as though something seismic had happened in the world, that suddenly we've now got people who have got access to proper mainstream television, which is what we now do. Uh, the fact that Elon Musk is going to say, and he said quite rightly my enemies will remain on Twitter because it's all about talking to people you disagree with, which is brilliant. That's, exa that's exactly what we want, Mike. I do not want to have an echo chamber of people, of gender critics, of the right wing, of... Yeah, I'm pretty much a centrist, I suppose. I, I lean slightly towards the right. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to just talk about to talk with other people uh, about those issues that I agree with. I want to get on there and have a proper, good old, intellectual bust-up um, with with my ideological enemy. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what Twitter's for. That's what the marketplace is for. And I'm all for that. And if Elon Musk can bring back that, then perfect. Yes. That beats anything to do with him going off to space mm. or, or, you know, inventing the world's, you know, most electric, efficient car. Right. Bringing back free speech, as far as I'm concerned, will be his crowning achievement. It absolutely will. Because you've been, for people who don't know uh, what you've been through, let's have a quick run-through of that since you're here. Because you've been through the ringer to the point where you were prosecuted, visited by the police. Uh, you had to have a court case clear you, effectively, uh, before you could resume normal life, right? Yeah, well, n not quite. I was the one that took the police to court not the other way around yes but you had to do yeah yeah that, but right? I, yeah I, I had i had to do that and that we exposed this entire sham of non-crime hate incidents uh we finally got those declared illegal and now ourselves um the the the, the free speech union and the reclaim party we are absolutely demanding of pretty patel that she gets hold of the police mm. forces and makes them get rid of every single non-crime hate incident yeah. that's been recorded against people and more than that we want them also we want the police forces to write to the individuals that they have on their database of hate and inform them that the police have acted illegally yes. toward those people and if they've suffered any loss whatsoever as a result of being on a database of hate, mm. we want those people to sue the police yeah. and we will support them. Absolutely. Because if you have got one of those notifications against your name in some database somewhere, can people find that if they say do a criminal background check on you? Well, th this, this is the thing. This is the thing. They, they could. I don't know whether they can anymore. Right. We're waiting for the College of Policing to issue their new guidance, which they've promised us for May. And again, that's quite a strange one because... Mm. The non-crime hate incident and the um, the guidance that which the police was following was declared to be illegal right. on the 20th of December. Mm. Okay, So it begs the question, why have they taken until now, and they're still not there yet, to 
reissue guidance that is actually legal. Yes. Why didn't they? Why weren't they on that straight away? If it was me, if I'd been in charge of the College of Police, and mm. then by the way, I think they should put me in charge of the College of I Police. I think so too. Because I would absolutely shake it up. Yeah. Had I been in charge of the College of Policing rather than Lord Herbert, mm. I would they... have thought. I would have thought. Okie dokie. Um, there's a fair chance that we're going to lose on December the 20th. We better have some guidance that is lawful, ready and raring to go. Yes. Because we want to demonstrate to the courts and to the world and to the public that we want to be ahead of the curve mm. when it comes to doing the right thing. Yes. We want to be absolutely in compliance with law. Right. We don't want to go, oh, my goodness, we've been operating illegally yes, exactly. uh, for years. So want... let's take a few more months of operating right. illegally whilst we work out how to obey the law. But that's you don't right. get that chance, Mark. But that's exactly right. Because nobody really knows i mean to me it's a bit like the highway code now nobody knows in a car when you're driving now down a road what you're meant to do i mean there's that guy who got done for a four a five points and a 400 pound fine for driving in his own lane right yeah. down the road cyclist comes the other way goes around a parked car on the opposite side of the road he's accused of driving too close to the cyclist now he might have been doing a, a, a speeding that's not the point the, the, the fine was issued for driving too close to a cyclist outrageous yeah well we've got this whole problem of not understanding the difference between law and guidance. Yeah. We had this uh, during the lockdown mm. years where where Boris Johnson would make some pronouncement um, and call it guidance, yeah. and then the police interpreted that as law. Yeah. The police don't know the difference no. between law and guidance. Which and is that a bit is of a problem. worry, to be honest, isn't it? Because you'd expect, if anyone knew what the law was, it would be a police officer. I remember having this conversation with Chris Philp, who at the time was a justice minister, and I also thought to myself, well, you're meant to know the answer to this question. I said to him, when Sadiq Khan was trying to enforce the wearing of masks on the tube, I said, it's not the law, is it? And he went... Um, uh, well, um, it's, got, it's, 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 it's the right thing to do, is all you could come up with. Oh, the said, right thing to do. So it's the right thing to do. I said, yeah, but so if I don't do it, I'm not breaking the law, am I? He said, yeah, but you should wear one. And I said, why? And then he gave me some uh, ridiculous yeah, well. answer about how it was protecting everybody. But well, I basically this, this said, look, this there is the no law. Yeah. There is no law, and I've said this continually, from which you can get an exemption. I can't get an exemption from assaulting you or murdering you. You know, you can't go, oh, I've got an exemption for that. You know, <laughs> I'm afraid the law is the law. So all of this nonsense is exactly that, isn't it? Yeah, that is, it's, it's exactly. And this um, blurring the lines between guidance and law is is absolutely is absolutely shocking and and it's actually dangerous if you think back mm. to the um the uh the, the wayne cousins uh, sarah everard yes. murder now if you think about what happened there a police officer pulled up alongside her and told her she was breaking the law now under normal circumstances nobody would think that they're breaking the law by going for a walk, going for a walk nobody yeah, exactly. nobody would and right. she wasn't breaking the law but because we have blurred the lines between guidance and law Sarah Everard got in that car. Mm. Under normal because circumstances, she thought it was the right thing yeah, to do. Under normal circumstances, I don't think she would have done. Mm. I think she would have run a mile. Yeah. A police officer comes up and says, "You're going for a walk. You're breaking the law." Like no chance. Yeah, right. You'd run a mile, wouldn't you? Of course you would. But we've blurred the lines, mm. and it's causing real, real danger. And we'll talk about that uh, as well as some of the different uh, differences in police recruiting, because we have, as I said, got breaking news uh, that a man by the name of Detective Constable Francoise Olwage uh, has been jailed at Winchester Crown Court for five and a half years for arranging to meet a 13 year old girl for sex he's a former metropolitan police counter-terrorism office well i say former he actually is uh, presumably still in the force because quite often these guys don't actually get uh, made to resign we shall see what happens there we'll continue talking to harry miller though because we want to talk about the prison system we want to talk about the gangs that run our prisons because we've been told now uh, today by an article in the times that an awful lot of these gangs are being organized by islamic jihadists islamic extremists who are at danger of encouraging more people to come out of prison and actually commit terrorist acts and that surely can't be the right way round, can it 0344 499 1000 is the number we'll take loads more of your calls as well prime minister's questions coming up uh, at the top of the hour at 12 o'clock peter cardwell will be in uh, to see what lichen of attack uh, keir starmer is likely to make against boris johnson we'll bring you all of that live right here uh, on the newest television station in the land it is of course talk tv coming to you live from talk radio headquarters high above the river thames i'm mike graham on your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. I'm here with Harry Miller, former police officer, director of the Fair Cop Group. Harry, you just explained to us how uh, you were sort of taken uh, to task by Her Majesty's constabulary, for want of a better phrase. Um, and of course, what we're now finding uh, after the pandemic is all sorts of decisions being made. We've got one today being made by the High Court that the decision to uh, to, to to allow elderly patients to leave hospital and go back to care homes, which were not considered safe was actually unlawful so they're now making laws in retrospect so i think we're going to find a lot of this that as we look back at uh, some of these rules that were put in and some people who were possibly prosecuted that it was all rubbish it was all nonsense yeah rushed law yeah genuinely bad law yes and law which restricts our freedom of movement is generally wrong Mm. it's generally wrong because we're free. Or our freedom you, you can't of have speech, yeah. surely, uh, yeah. as well. Our freedom of movement, our freedom of association, yeah. our freedom of speech. You know, I'm no great fan of the European Union, mm. but Articles 8 to 11 of the ECHR mm. are actually quite useful. Mm. They're actually quite useful. We're still kind or, of in that, though, aren't we? Well, we are, yeah. And that's why, we, you know, we're, we're glad to be out of the EU. Yeah. But we're quite thankful uh, that we have Articles 8 to 11. I beat the police over on Article 10 right. uh, on, on free speech. Mm. Um which they're going to have to now suck up. And right. I'm encouraging everybody to say that which is legal. So mm. don't don't get involved in malicious communications. No. But say because the thing that upsets laws. the police. But we've already got laws against malicious communication. We've already got laws against inciting violence. You know, there are already yeah. plenty of uh, rules in place for, for stopping people from being objectionable yeah. to the point where actually something harm harmful could happen. So we don't need any more yeah. sort of protections, do we? Yeah, no, we don't. So don't target individuals. But if there's an ideology that you don't like, you can target that. You should be absolutely free to target any ideology under the sun, be that Christianity, be that Islam, be that rainbowism, mm. be that conservatism, whatever. If it's an ideology, we should be absolutely free to attack it. Yes. What we mustn't do is cross the line where we start attacking individuals mm. for holding that belief. Right. Now, the problem is when somebody says, I have that belief and you criticising my belief offends me. Right. Well, my attitude is suck it up. Yes. We don't care. Unfortunately, the police have taken the attitude, oh, you've offended their sensitivities by attacking their beliefs. Yes. Therefore, you are dangerous. Yes. And we can't be having that. And that's what Fair Cop mm. managed to knock out, not knock into the long grass. This idea that just because somebody is offended by mm. something that you've said, that in itself is an indicator that you are somehow bad, hateful, and on the route, on the road, on the train yes. to committing some form of terrible hate crime. Yes. I mean, I was listening to a guy from the Muslim Council of Britain earlier on today on another show uh, who was talking about prevent and talking about what it is that uh, is wrong with the programme, if you like. Um, and, you know, to be fair to him, he was saying, you know, we are, as, 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 as much as anyone, against extremism. We are against radicalisation. We are against all manner of things which could lead people to become terrorists in whatever uh, the religion they are. But he said it's not really fair uh, if you're going to start looking for people who might become terrorists if they're only from one particular group. For example, he said, well, why don't they do this in Belfast? Why don't they look at, you know, kids in school in Belfast and if they can see somebody who might be exhibiting some form of sectarianism, you know, why don't they get pulled out and examined in the same way that, say, a Muslim child might be pulled out of school and examined? What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, I think the the whole idea of precog and pre-crime is very, very dangerous. Now, I do think there is a place for the police to keep an eye on people who haven't quite yet committed a crime, mm. but they are certainly knocking around with people who commit crime and, th- and there's intelligence that they may be being properly radicalised, mm. then I think the police ought to be engaged with that. The problem that we have... They ought to be familiar with them, I suppose, yes, shouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the problem that we have, that when you, when you label everything that you don't like as extremism, mm. then the actual extremism is lost beneath the noise. Right. That's what ha- and that's what's happened with the non-crime hate incidents. They've, the police have collected 200,000, and no doubt in that 200,000 non-crime hate incidents, there are some genuinely interesting and disturbing cases. Mm. But the police wouldn't know, no. because they make no differentiation between somebody tweeting a limerick, right. like I did, right. and somebody plotting talking about how they want to stab a black person. Yes. It's and a bit like the, the sex offenders uh, situation, isn't it? The register where you could be put on the sex offenders register. I remember doing a story about this when I was in Scotland, of some guy who mooned at a train. 
you know, as it was going <laughs> through, you know, one of the stations in Scotland, he dropped his trousers and, and showed his backside. And he was put on a sex offenders register in the same way that somebody who was convicted of rape was put on the sex offenders register. And you go, well, clearly there's something wrong with that. Yeah, there's, there's a huge difference between those two things, isn't there? Yeah. Massive difference. And the police need to be engaging with those things which are actually likely to mm. turn into something criminal yeah. or wh wh where they are actual genuine indicators of future criminality. Now then, that might be quite a difficult job, but they're the police. Yeah. They've got to learn how to do well, it. Well, that is their job. I mean, it's a bit like the people in this country that I go on and on about all the time. We've got doctors who don't want to see patients. We've got border force that doesn't want to stop illegal immigrants coming in. Uh, we've got police officers who don't want to arrest anybody. You know, we need to remember that that's the job that you were hired to do Please go and do it. You're out there to protect the public from the bad guys, effectively. I mean, it's that simple. Just do that. Yeah, but the, the, the problem is we've got two, two ideologies which give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. Mm. One is Islamism, and the other one is Rainbowism. Yeah. So if you... It's quite, it's quite strange. When there's a terrorist atrocity, the authorities will do everything they possibly can not to label it mm. Islamic. Right. Now then... On the other extreme, if you if if there's a, an attack of somebody who happens to be a skinhead, for instance, mm. the authorities will do everything they can to label that as yeah. right wing extremism. Yes, but when you look at the actual figures as seen in the Times today, two thirds of all our terrorist prisoners are Islamic. Mm. But it's very hard for the authorities to call it what it is, right. which is why in the report we see that the, the Muslim Islamic terrorists in prison are running rings around the prison authorities. Yes. And they're doing it under the name of Article 8 ECHR. So you can't step into my cell without taking your shoes off. Right. You've got to allow me to meet with these other hardline Islamic people because the um, European Convention of Human Rights says you cannot limit my associations. Right. And they're also demanding that any disputes between any of them are carried out under Sharia law and you can't go into a kitchen where they're cooking halal food. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's prison. It's not the role of the police. Yeah. It's not the role of the police or the authorities or the prison service to cater to or pander toward any ideology mm. whatsoever. We find the police doing this all the time at the moment. Um, Leicester, a Leicestershire police officer has been caught saying all kinds of horrible things about J.K. Rowling, mm. uh, calling the LGB Alliance a terrorist organisation. Now, I don't know if you know the women who run the LGB mm. Alliance. They're as far from being yes. barred mine off as it's possible right. to be. Right. Okay, so we put a complaint in and said, is this person one of your police officers? It took Leicestershire police seven weeks to confirm that the person who said that they were their officer was their officer. And they were and tweeting what, in a personal capacity? They were tweeting as uh, they were tweeting as PC Lindsay Watson. Really? Yes, wow. as a police constable. Mm. And the police protect them. Why? Because they're part of the rainbowist extremism cult. Yeah. And, uh, and the Leicestershire police will... Now, when we found this out, we are now being under threat of being sued. They're serving papers on us. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, they're serving papers on us because apparently by saying that this police officer is dangerous... We've committed libel. Really? Well, we'll see how that one goes. I think, Mike, if you're a betting man, I'd be putting quite a lot of money on me. <laughs> well, you've got some track record there, so I certainly would uh, propose that that would be the way to go. Listen, great to see you, Harry. Great to meet you. Thank you very much indeed. Keep up the good work, because a lot of people uh, are very much counting on you. Uh, he is, of course, from the Fair Cop Group. Go and find it on Twitter uh, before it gets shut down. Oh, no, it won't get shut down now, because Elon Musk's in charge. Uh, so that's a good thing, isn't it? 0344 499 1000 is the number. We'll take your calls coming up. We've got Prime Minister's questions. We've got loads of things to discuss. This is Talk TV. It is the home of common sense. We'll be back with you right after this. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. 